It's the Radius Podcast, recorded live from New York City. Welcome. Welcome indeed. James DeGorder here with Corey Sylvester on the Radius Podcast. Corey, good to see you. This is this is your first appearance on the podcast, I believe. We've been warming people's living rooms for months now, and you haven't joined us yet. Yeah. Well, what's taking you so long? It's a good question. I don't know that I have an answer for it, but uh, you're here now. We're here now. It's seven o'clock in the morning. Get yeah, it going. We're getting after it. Um. All right. Well, we are. We're going to discuss one of the most hotly debated topics in self-storage, at least in our small niche of the self-storage world. Yeah. Uh, small or big that may be, but occupancy. Yeah. Occupancy, sharing occupancy. The O word. Exactly. Um, so why don't you give us a little context here before we dive into the debate on sort of what is the radius occupancy network? How does it work? Yeah. So we have some context here. Uh, I mean, all we're trying to solve for is, um, to create the right structure that um, allows users to share occupancy with one another. Um, and so within Radius, all that is, is is if you are a operator and you have occupancy at the store level, um, you share that into the network and uh, other participants within that same Radius network that are sharing into the network, you see their occupancy. Um so the, the principle is that we're just trying to create the right incentive structure around, um, you know, how the network functions, making sure people feel like they're not being exposed to other people that aren't sharing their occupancy. So it's just the right incentive structure to prevent you know, free riders in the system. Uh, over time, the idea is, you know, we're, we're up to, what, seven 800 stores now. Um, but the idea right. is, is that... You know, there's there's comfort in uh, in in and uh, as as crowds grow larger, you feel more comfortable being in the crowd. And 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 uh, the biggest issue we always had with occupancy was just <clears throat> that uh, no one was willing to do it. So getting over this first hurdle, it feels like I mean there'll always be other issues, I, I suppose. But this was just the the biggest task is just getting people past this kind of. Uh, beginning hurdle of, of starting to share, finding those few, you know, numbers that, that we're willing to to throw their hat in the ring. And, and that's where we are today. We're kind of past that initial hurdle where we've, we found a, a rather, you know, reasonable size grouping of people that, uh, that are willing to do it and, and see the benefits and understand, you know, that the benefits far outweigh any sort of perceived downside and, that's what we're off and running with. Right. So this is all with uh, with the end goal of sort of having or sort of creating a, a store level data set um, that the ind- industry can use for analysis, whether it be revenue management, site selection, uh, you know, getting loans, getting equity financing, really trying to bring more transparency to this data set in, in the industry, which really hasn't had um, has, hasn't had access to that information before, um, is really sort of the goal of this. 
Yeah, exactly. Process. The 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 kind of the the first thing that makes most sense is just that as banks and others that are providing capital, equity partners that are providing capital to the industry, if there's more data, ultimately it gives them more comfort, and they're going to allocate a bigger share of, um, you know, what they're investing towards self storage. But ultimately, if there's more buyers, more capital then that means ultimately prices will be higher, everything uh, everything uh, else equal. Um, but, you know, where the benefits are from a revenue management standpoint, it's still yet to be determined. I, I don't think anyone's certainly, you know, there, there are still some debates around whether, uh, whether the uh, data set's going to be useful or not for, you know, a, a, another data point in, in revenue management. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but the, the first most important part is just getting it up and running, which we've done. And the there's been a lot of pushback, though. I mean, we've been trying <clears throat> trying to been trying to build this data set for um, about two years now, I guess. And uh, you know, up until recently, haven't had had much traction. Um, I think we've heard like every sort of every excuse under the sun why an operator may not want to share their occupancy, but what are some of the more frequent or uh, prominent reasons for not sharing um, your occupancy? Well, I, I, I think that that has been a, uh, the reasons for it have, have transitioned themselves. So like two years ago, it was like people just didn't even want to have the conversation. They didn't want to share occupancy. They thought that it was their secret sauce, you know, they like got nowhere the, two years the ago. larger operators just thought, you know, it's my secret sauce. It's, 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 uh, why would I let people know my occupancy? The, the more and more we've had discussions around, well, in reality, you're already showing people your rental rates and rental rates. If I renting my 10 by 10 for a hundred dollars today, and at the same day last year, I was running it for $90. Then my pricing is going up on a year over year basis. And from that standpoint, that's, really the best indicator of supply and demand because it's actually at the unit level, whereas what we're doing is is at the store level. So it's not actually not right. as granular. So right. you're already showing people at the unit level what's going on in your facility uh, on a daily basis. Let's take a step back and 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 help me understand this a little a little bit a little bit better. You're saying because rates are going up at the unit level, therefore you must have high occupancy, right? Is that, I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, why would, why would you be raising rates at 60% occupancy? Yeah. I mean, that that's essentially the idea. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know that it always has to be that way, but generally speaking, I think that's a safe assumption to make. Right. If you're raising price, it means that you have fewer of those units. And if you have fewer of those units, it means you're more occupied or your occupancy is higher rather. So what I'm saying is, is that, is you're that not disclosing anything? Right. Well, I mean, you're, you're uh, you're signaling to the market at the unit level already. Yeah, that occupancy is high. Therefore, if you actually share your occupancy at the store level, like that, that's the that's the we're, we're, you're going to be showing your mar- showing the market. I'm ninety percent occupied. Well, again, you have to go back to how you're pricing your individual units to to see. I could have a ton of five by fives and my five by five pricing could be really poor. 
but all my other unit types could be filled. That's how he could be getting to 90% occupancy. Right. Ultimately, you go back to pricing to figure out, all right, at the store, what's ag- what's exactly going on? Because 90% at the store level on average doesn't really tell me much. Right. I mean, if I'm trying to solve for what should I be pricing my 5x5 five five for today? Right. So this is kind of an argument against uh, the, the the reaction that if I if – I, tell the market that I'm 95% occupied, then they're going to build right next to me and it's going to impact my business. Well, in theory, they should already on the surface. Like if if I, if I just go with that, like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But then let's just think about, uh, what you've been doing uh, with your pricing. If you're 95% occupied, it means that if you're conducting proper revenue management, as your units become more, uh, you know, uh, as your as your as the volume of your uh, available inventory is going down, you should be increasing price, and that increase in price is going to be signaling to the market that you're ninety five percent occupied. Okay, let me throw a curveball at you though. How do I how do I know rates are increasing? Like this sounds great, but like no one's ever analyzed increasing rates before. You know, up until radius existed that hadn't really been available so well it'd been available but only to the reads the reads have been tracking their own data they've been tracking and they've been they've been scraping pricing for years right so that that's it's if anything it's all it is 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 that it that that analysis is becoming more widespread in terms of its availability right but the information's always been out there so if you're if you're a novice developer you don't know about radius and you see 95% occupancy, then you would go build there where if you didn't see the occupancy, you wouldn't go build there because you wouldn't know if it was a healthy market or not. Uh, I mean, if I'm a developer and I see 95% occupancy, the next step is, okay, what is my unit mix going to be at this facility? And I'm going to take the pricing from that market and plug it into my model. Like the numbers have still got to work. 95% occupancy doesn't mean anything at the end of the day if if the numbers don't work and if i'm looking at okay i can rent my five by five for two hundred dollars but you know what's the trajectory of that price been is that going up or going down the bank's gonna ask that it should right so it all comes back to pricing so where i was going in the in the uh originally was that uh so the, the evolution of us getting occupancy has been two years ago. It was like we were having these discussions where we were trying to educate the market about our perception of why it shouldn't, uh, like why why people were thinking about it in the wrong way, I guess is the way to think about it. And then in the last year, it's been, okay, I'll buy into your analysis, but I don't want to be the first. Right. So... <laughs> It was a, uh, even though if you're the first, you're only sharing with yourself. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good point. I haven't, I never actually used that line, but, um, that's, that's essentially where it went to, where it's like, all right, that's great. I just don't want to be the first. So there was a, we were playing mind games. It was a psychological aspect of this sharing of occupancy and just, I think, the underpinning of it was that people just feel nervous doing something different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have always been, uh, 
different in that you've always been willing to go out personally and, and do things without necessarily there being a crowd. Whereas I feel like I've always needed more of a crowd and it's, it's a mental, it's a mental thing. But I, so I understand like why people would not want to do something unless they see a small crowd gathering. Right. Where we had to gather that small crowd, which is, is, is difficult because you have to find people that are willing to step out and, and be those first. Yep. So that, that's what the evolution has been in terms of us getting it built. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I've, we feel like we're, we're well on our way now. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's been gaining a lot of momentum here. Um, for sure, for sure. One of the, it feels, it feels like if I could, if I could project out over the next, whatever, six months now, the biggest hurdle is going to be, um, like the logistics of it because, yeah. well, I mean, logistics in what sense? Well, I mean, like we have to consume this programmatically, right? We're going to do it at scale for the integrity of the network. We can't be relying on people to email us, you know, right. when they have a free moment. Like if you're, if you're joining the network, it's going to be done programmatically. And- yeah. I mean, we've solved for that a little bit, right? So, I mean, we have the automatic reports that sent in and they're, they're read. So we, we've, we've properly prepared the system as much as we can. So I think the, from my perspective, it's still going to be education. Uh, it'll be easier because I'll say, listen, we have, you know, 800 plus stores that are sharing. So there's actually value you're going to be able to extract from day one, uh, in joining this, but, uh, it's still going to be education because people are still, it's, it's not like that mentality around, you know, why I should share, why I shouldn't share has gone away. It's just that, uh, you know, we figured out how to educate people and now we have a network to be able to say, you know, there are other people that are doing it. So, you know, you're not going to be the first. Right. Which is, which is progress, you know, because ultimately other asset classes, all the other real estate asset classes for the most part share, I say for the most part, cause I don't know, I don't want to speak for every single asset class, but they're all sharing occupancy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been, it's been for, I mean, the two, the two major reasons they do it are for the health of the industry to make more educated decisions. And another really big one is just being able to, you know, refinance. I think the cost of cost of capital generally is lower, but I think the cost of debt capital really benefits from having more understanding. And, um, you know, whether you got an existing facility or, um, or not, uh, you know, when lenders have, have availability to more information, you know, they're more comfortable, you know, giving you a more attractive rate. Yeah. The, the, sp- the spread that they're going to charge is going to be a function of the, the risk that they're taking. So to the extent that this, can- this, this network creates, uh, increased transparency with a, with a, with a, essentially a real time, um, uh, ability to to update the information or the knowledge about what's going on in any given market then ultimately the lender is going to feel differently about understand the risk yeah they're going to be able to understand and update where they are where the risk is and when you don't and when they don't know you're allocating to capital to an unknown then there's that you have to embed some premium right some risk premium of like unknown whether the risk is there or not it's just the fact that you don't understand it or can't quantify it. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's going to go onto their books, and and they'll never really be able to, you know, that normally the way that when I, I was a lender at J.P. Morgan, and and we basically do these annual reviews for for all the loans on your books, um, and we were always on the not didn't do too much commercial stuff, a lot of private stuff, but ultimately to to be able to have a window into the asset on my balance sheet and understand, you know essentially on a monthly basis, what's going on with the health of that asset and, and the asset and assets in those markets. I mean, it would just change the game in terms of how you think about the risk associated with that, because you know, that, that, that's the, that's, that's what you're fighting as a lender is just trying to understand, have things changed from when I underwrote it. Um, and if I can, if I can understand that, uh, you know, on a monthly basis, if need be, I mean, you really shouldn't have to, keep checking in like that but the point is is that you have that comfort around transparency for a lender you know they don't have that today yeah there's a lot of work associated with getting that comfort in the beginning and then you know how they do it from there i i, I honestly don't know but um that's got to help yeah i mean the po- yeah the point is, is they, they must just embed more more risk premium yeah for I mean, not, for more, more, more spread along yep. with it right so because um, now if, if you technically have rates, if you have occupancies uh, for the market around these assets that they're, that they're lending to, then, you know, you could potentially make risk a function of the health of the market. Whereas if, if you're in a really healthy market, you're going to get paid for, for uh, you know, in the, via the cost of lower debt. Perhaps your bank's willing to give you a lower lower risk premium in your market because it's so healthy, and they can they can observe it, you know, with this data. Right. Interesting. We'll see. Um. All right. So, so if I'm an operator and I want to get involved, I want to make smarter decisions, I want to join this network. How how should they go about that? Yeah, I mean, they just reach out to anybody on our team. Yeah, we've got, we got a little chat functionality down on the bottom right. Yeah, you just reach out to anybody on the team, and uh, we get you set up. We'll, we'll walk you through the whole process. All right, great. Corey, thanks for shedding some light on this occupancy network, uh, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. You've been listening to the Radius Podcast. Don't miss a beat. Subscribe today and stay up to date on self-storage. And come and hang out with us at RadiusPlus.com. We'd love to hear from you. I turn off the